This week on the Anxiety Slayer podcast, we're discussing how you can learn to retrain your mind to be more positive. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek, here with my good friend and co-host Ananga Sivir. We've been producing free podcasts for you since 2009. And again, today we're going to talk about how to retrain your brain, how to retrain your mind from automatically going to negative places to searching for and going to more positive outlooks in life. Hey, Ananga, how you doing? Hey, Shen. This is a, another excellent topic that came to us from one of our listeners, and I'm glad we're going to dig into it today because we all, whether we know it or not, have this natural tendency to lean towards negative thinking versus positive thinking. Yep, the mind is wired towards a negativity bias. That's how our programming works. We have a definition here to get us going. A negativity bias makes us subconsciously give more psychological significance to negative experiences than positive ones of the same intensity. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, how our brains and how our minds work. And it often happens to me when I'm getting some research together for something or we're getting ready to record a show and I'll be reading somewhere else or listening to somewhere else and then that same topic comes up, which always makes me feel it's good and timely and relevant. And this morning I was listening to a wonderful lecture with a monk who I very much respect and he made this point that our mind has a negativity bias and the way he described it was if we hear something negative, we tend to believe it instantly. We don't question it. It just goes right in. If we hear something negative about somebody else, about a situation, about us, uh, something maybe about our health, something we read in the news, anything negative, straight in, no filters. And when positive information comes our way, we might question it, not give it so much validity, or it might pass us by altogether because it's not how our filters are set. So we're all wired to give more weight to negative rather than positive experiences. And it's so unfortunate because we miss out on so many beautiful experiences that we could celebrate. It makes me think of what happens uh, when you have 25 favorable reviews of your podcast and one negative review. <laughs> <laughs> and the 25 favorable reviews and then the one, oh, that heaviness. And yeah, in the big picture, clearly the majority of the people who are taking time to share their thoughts are happy with what you're doing and not to let yourself be taken down by the weight of the negativity from one person's experience. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to explore these teachings and these, these facts about how we're wired up, because what we don't tend to explore in the West is that we can change. Mm -hmm. We tend to have an attitude of, you know, that's how I'm made, but we might be suffering terribly, we might be miserable, and we have the opportunity not to be. When we're operating from a negative bias, it means our construction of reality, not the facts, 
is driving our thoughts and our behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's a very uncomfortable experience. And this is all happening subconsciously. It's underneath the surface of our awareness. But it absolutely affects our interactions as we look out into the world. And you've met people before, those people who are these shiny, happy people, and sometimes think, I want some of what they're having. I happen to be married to a man like that who wakes up every day and is really looking for whatever is going to make him most joyful. And what a teacher, because that's not how my mind naturally works. But thankfully, to watch his work that way, I can focus more on practicing being more joyful, more upbeat, more positive, and not going to worst-case scenarios or being taken under by a negative bias. It's also one of the reasons why you and I recommend highly that people stay away from the news every day. Mm -hmm. Because that negative bias sticks, that the, the gloom and doom and destruction and disease and all of that, that just round and round and round, well, it's going to stick. Yeah, and the mind will very quickly and very cleverly scan through and it will find something to be snagged on, hooked on, something to be triggered by. And when we look at the news, we'll often notice that we feel worse afterwards because it's fed into that bias. Going back to your point about your husband having a natural positive outlook, that's something I learned when I was learning NLP, neurolinguistic programming. They have a, a concept called modeling where you look for something in somebody else that you admire, a skill, something you want to learn, an outlook, and you study it, see how do they do that and how you can bring some more of that into your experience and into your mind. Modeling is incredibly supportive, and I'm grateful to have somebody like right under the same roof that I can learn from. That just tells me that there are people who are, are blessed to be in the world that way, and there are people like me who can learn from them <laughs> and have a little bit less of a, a negative bias. Yeah, so long as we're open to learning, we're good. And I think it's really important to understand that we all have our different makeup. Ayurveda teaches that we have these doshic constitutions. The challenge when you're suffering with stress and anxiety is that our perception can become painfully biased and we might tend to lock into painful experiences and worries and disconnect from the things that can help us feel more positive, um, like good people in your life, you know, peaceful surroundings, the things we achieve, things that bring us joy, the, the simplest daily gratitudes. And the real challenge with the anxious mind is that it has this vata energy, which we often talk about on the podcast, which is very fast. It's very fast. It can really scan and it can really hone in on things that are of concern. And then it has a tendency to think the worst and blow them up into some real imagined experience because Vata's not only is it fast, it's creative. <laughs> so it's going to find something negative to zoom in on and then it's going to create some 
scenario in our mind very quickly to back it up that seems very compelling. And then when that happens, we go to that place of distraction or trying to numb out or a number of other choices that we can make to not be stuck in that suffering. Yeah. And this is why trying to not identify with the mind is so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Again, another key teaching. This teaching really was life-changing for me. You know, sometimes you see adverts and people say, this changed my life. And I think, really? <laughs> but for me personally, this teaching has changed my life, this understanding that I'm not my mind. And I first heard that when I was in my early 20s, when I was really suffering with anxiety. This teaching that we're not our mind, we have thoughts but we're not our thoughts. And then we can step back and look at the mind and the Ayurveda and the Vedic wisdom teachings in general teach that the mind, it's a tool. It's likened to software. Mm -hmm. the, the brain is likened to hardware and the mind is like software and the soul is the real us and the soul is the user. That's the teaching in the Vedic wisdom tradition. So that for me changed so much. And it gave me a point of access to my thoughts or changing my thoughts by understanding, okay, I'm not my mind and that the intelligence sits above the mind. So the mind isn't in control, although it likes to think it is, but it's not in charge. Mm -hmm. And as much as we can fortify our intelligence and shepherd and direct the mind, then we're going to have a more peaceful experience. Yeah, because it's natural for the mind to disturb us by helping us imagine problems that don't exist, by over-exaggerating small challenges into big worries, by creating all kinds of what-if scenarios. And it's exhausting. And this is where that phrase, false evidence appearing real, comes up, that acronym for fear, that our mind is looking for or creating false evidence that is appearing real, which was coined by Zig Ziglar many years ago, probably back in the 80s. He came up with that. And how many times have we done that? How many times has our mind taken us on that journey? We do it all the time. Yeah. And the challenge is that we buy into it. We give the false evidence credit that it might be real. And the second we do that, our nervous system's on board, our imagination's on board, we've backed it up. We've brought evidence to the case. <laughs> and then we start to feel really out of balance. We start to feel really awful. And as you said, it's exhausting. So even just remembering that, false evidence appearing real, when the mind brings these things up to say, thank you, I'm not getting into it. Mm-hmm. You carry on, chattering in the corner, and uh, I'm going to do something more, think about something more useful, which is what we're moving on to. Okay, the mind does this, it's persistent, it takes some work. How do we do the work? And we do the work by watching our thought patterns and watching our responses. Yeah, our mind's like an iceberg. Most of it's buried beneath the surface of our awareness. In our subconscious, our subconscious mind is where our fears are, where our unconscious patterns are running. So the first step really to changing 
what's running there is to make the unconscious known to us. That's the real work in changing our negative bias, noticing our habitual reactions. Both of those words mean automatic pilot, habitual, mm-hmm. what we're just running, what we're programmed to do, reactions instead of responses. So sitting with them, noticing how they feel, starting to be aware of them when they come up, rather than them just running underneath the surface of our awareness. And then we can decide what we want to change. When we sit with them and get a feeling for them, we can realize, you know, this is making me feel low or uneasy or irritable or or something else. And I'd rather choose a different way to feel. So it's noticing and being with and then seeing what changes we want to make. And also to be aware that you don't want to get into a shouting match or into a fight with your mind because that will only strengthen the negative energy that it's putting out. You want to just be aware, be in this place of being neutral and non-judgmental and just observing what's happening. And then as you start to really pay attention, you'll, you'll notice patterns that come up. And this is when you can start to make some gentle adjustments. And it's such a sweet place to be. be oh, there that is again. There's that pattern. There's that voice that isn't mine and isn't true. Yeah. It's really interesting, this, this principle of not getting into a fight with your own mind. <laughs> Because it's going to win every time it's going to take that energy and throw it back at you. Every single time it just gets more aggravated. So, yeah, it's kind of a stealthy practice, isn't it? We need to do it very kindly and calmly and just notice in a very non-reactive way and then see what we want to change. And in the beginning, you'll notice you'll be catching it a lot. And then as you continue to practice and and kind of clean things up a little bit. That's how I look at it, is like kind of sweeping it out a little bit. <laughs> It'll get better and better by degree that you can um, really ad- address it quite quickly and, and move on and not let it snag you, not be in that place of shenpa, I think is what I'm a children calls it. Being hooked. Yeah, being hooked. Yeah, that's a very good... Um teaching there's an audio book called don't bite the hook mm. purely about that teaching with her which is really good listening very instructive when we start noticing unconscious patterns particularly if we're struggling with anxiety if we're living with anxiety we might find them a bit uncomfortable so something that can really help with that is the practice we shared last week in last week's episode the triple warmer meridian hug so just a quick Recap to put your right hand under your left armpit, a few inches down, and your left hand across the front of your body and just hold your right arm somewhere between your elbow and your shoulder. So you're just hugging across your body and to just hold like that and notice your breathing and notice what's coming up in your body in response to those negative thoughts that are coming up. And it's a a more peaceful way of sitting with them. So we're not numbing out and distracting, which is what we habitually go to do. And it's so easy now with phones to pick your phone up and go on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere and divert yourself away. But then you're not making any positive change and it's all there waiting for you the second you put your phone down. 
So to just practice this calming, holding pattern across the front of your body and then listen to what your mind's saying for a minute, feel where that's going in your body and then you can start to gently think about alternatives, alternative experiences you'd rather have and we're going to go on to talk about how to do that. And setting intentions is a good place to start. Once you start noticing your patterns, noticing the biases in your mind, this is a way that you can really tackle this by just setting alternative options, alternative intentions, choosing how you want to respond and practicing those responses again and again until they become very natural for you. And this is an exercise that you can do daily or weekly, whatever is comfortable for you, where you sit down and rehash situations, kind of like Ananga and I do on the podcast where we share different stories. Just go over some situations and your responses and then think about how you'd rather see things play out. And do this all with love and compassion in this gentle way. Just You're just being mindful. You're just paying attention. And I will say that doing this on paper makes it more effective. So get a journal, get a notebook, something that you can go to and work with and write this stuff down. I know you have some examples of of this, Ananga. Would you like to share? Yeah, just when your mind throws up something automatically negative, you can ask yourself, how would I rather approach this? So you might choose curiosity. Is there something I can learn from this? Is there something I can do to, to help this? Or we might choose to pause before responding, just wait before we decide to let that negative be set in stone. Or we might choose to look for the bigger picture. So many different ways. Those are just a few examples of different ways we can approach situations. Instead of the mind just saying, this is like this, and taking the worst case scenario, which it automatically tends to do, to just pause and challenge that gently and see how else you could approach it that feels more comfortable and more compassionate for you and all concerned. And to continue remembering that the mind has a natural negativity bias. So when that comes up, don't be hard on yourself about it. Just notice it and know that you can change it and you can change it with some of these practices. This is where good role models come in. This is where setting your intentions come in. This is just being as mindful as you possibly can and taking note of what's going on and then doing what you can to change it, to snap out of it. There's a really great question in access consciousness that comes up is, what about this am I not getting? Or what else is possible here? That I'm not understanding, or uh, anything that puts you into that curiosity or into that question so that you don't get locked down in that negativity space. You're going to go there, but you can come out of it easier and easier. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? We're going to go there. Yeah. But we don't have to stay there. We don't have to get stuck there. And we, we do have the option to, to choose 
a different thought, to choose a different response. That option is there. And the more we do it, the more we become habituated to that. We're always going to have to work on it. But that doesn't mean we can't start having a better experience quite quickly. This episode of Anxiety Slayer is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself, whether that be quiet time, exercise, better nutrition, or a walk in the woods. When we spend all of our time giving and giving to others, we can feel depleted. But therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others while making your own self-care a priority. Therapy is helpful for learning how to set boundaries and can help you manage how much of yourself you're giving away. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and totally suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Slayer today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Slayer. Before the break, we were talking about setting intentions. And now we're going to move into a conversation about how you can train your brain and brain training practices. And the first thing that you can do to bring balance to your mind is to become aware of the state of your mind. Watch your mind, pay attention to your mind, and notice when negative thoughts arise. And then look at the nature of the most persistent thoughts. Are they fearful? Are they angry? Are they sad? Or are they something else? Yeah, once we've done that, once we've started to notice the the nature of the most persistent thoughts in our mind, we can practice choosing a replacement thought. To replace fear thoughts, it's helpful to think of something you trust. Meditate on something certain, something that's always true. If you're really feeling challenged by anxiety, it can be helpful to think of something that's so certain, like the sun rising every morning, and even to meditate on that, to just draw your mind to think about the sun rising every morning. You might think of a wonderful time when you've witnessed the sunrise and you felt real peace, real gratitude. So take your mind there. Or for sadness, draw your mind to something that brings you joy. And you can also use affirmations and gratitudes. If you want to use affirmations, you can state your intent. For example, I replace this anxiety with something else, your chosen experience. I choose to replace this anxiety with, and repeat that three times. And repeating that practice over and over again is going to start to defeat the defaults in your thinking. It's really interesting when you, when you practice it. I can be 
really upset right now that one of my favorite plants in my garden was completely destroyed by the heat for several days in a row. Or I can be grateful that the rest of the garden did just fine and all of the plants are doing well. And focus on the glass being half full, right? Instead of half empty. I know that's kind of a silly example, but we go there. We look at one thing <laughs> that can take us right off of the rails. And then we're in that negative place and really unhappy. But it's a, it's a good working example, because if you think of what we're then going to do with that, if we feel that there's been some, like your example of a plant in the garden, oh, I really love that plant and that plant's lost. We can really take that into our mind and into our body and we can let it grow and we can feel irritated. Um, we might choose to share that with somebody else and then it's grown further. That's not to say that we're not going to have experiences that we don't need to share. We need to share things, but to have them in context, to have them in balance. Yeah, it's just one example. But try and let that example leach out into, into other areas of thinking where, you know, we might have a conversation with a friend, we might be on the phone for an hour and have a really good conversation. And they might say one thing that when we put the phone down, it's stuck in our mind. Mm -hmm. And then we need to go back and balance it out. Yeah, it's kind of like at the beginning of our conversation when I was talking about reviews. Mm-hmm having you know so many good ones and and one not so good one having this beautiful conversation but having one sticking point inside of it and i found that when that happens what what i'll do is sometimes i'll follow up with that friend or relative and say hey while we were talking this came up and i realized that i may have misunderstood or wanted to get more clarification uh, because it kind of stuck me and then I have an answer really quickly. And I can tell you that 90% of the time, it was something that was completely misinterpreted. But getting that clarity, again, frees your mind. And that's successful when you, instead of letting yourself ruminate on it and, and create and then turn that whole conversation into something that's causing you suffering. Yeah. Uh, and the more we practice the more resilience we have in our mind as well, where if something does come up, say we have a review at work and it goes really well, but there's one comment made that we really take to heart and we start to get anxious about, the more we're practicing working with hope and positivity and actively working to reduce our anxiety, the more resilient we become. Mm -hmm. So then that bias is going to catch our attention but it won't necessarily catch it in an anxious way that we're going to go away with. And then that anxiety can grow from that one negative seed. It can eclipse the rest of the review where everything else went well. There's a teaching that I really like, which talks about treating the mind like a garden and what are we watering in the garden? So when we have a negativity bias unchecked, we're letting the weeds of negativity grow in our mind. But when we're looking for hope and we're looking with curiosity and we're looking with gratitude, we're planting those seeds. We're planting seeds of hope and we're planting seeds of gratitude in our mind. When we do it daily, we're watering them. 
we're planting more and we're taking care of them. So then we get more resilience. Our mind just becomes a healthier garden. It's got less brambles and thorns and weeds and more flowers and herbs and, and good stuff in there. Yeah. And we become more resilient. So when stuff does come up, it's going to always catch our attention, but it won't snag us so much because we've cultivated alternative attitudes. So these are really helpful practices. And just repeat this practice every time you notice your mind defaulting to negative thoughts. Watch your mind, look at the nature of the thoughts, and practice choosing a replacement thought. At first, it might feel a bit clunky, might feel a bit, you know, new or maybe a bit awkward, but just try, just try, and it will become easier. And keeping a note in your journal of your successes with this practice, along with your daily gratitudes, really helps embed the learning. And it helps you maintain that positivity bias. It helps you maintain the looking for the good. When we write it down, it makes it more solid. And that's another way of retraining the mind to come away from habitual negatives. And I just want to note that we have a new tapping session on our Patreon called Changing the Record with guided tapping and affirmations to help you support yourself making changes to your mind when it keeps playing negative thoughts. And you can find that at patreon.com slash anxiety slayer. And there's a quote that you found from a monk that you follow and enjoy, and I'd love for you to share it. Yeah, another lecture I was listening to this week is a, a monk called Garanga, Garanga Das. He's a monk and author. And he says that we have limited control over our circumstances, but we have unlimited control over our consciousness. Mm. And he gave the example of when you're walking in the street and you look up at high rise buildings, they're towering over you. You're tiny, they're huge. But when you get in a plane, you're flying over them and they're tiny. So he gave the example of that as a change of perspective, which all happens in our mind. It's just a change of perspective. When we expand our consciousness and we get better control of our mind and we're choosing to use our intelligence to actively see the good, seek out the good, look for positivity, look for hope. That's the most important thing. Mm. The most important gift we can give ourselves and each other is hope. Look for that. Then those things that feel like they're towering over us become smaller because we've got a different perspective. really a process of retraining your brain. And right now I have a list uh, right next to me on my desk. Spring is here with violets and mint and cherry blossoms. Asparagus, <laughs> Empire Beach, exploring with Thomas. My son's uh, cat let me brush her. Things like that. 
because I love this cat and it doesn't always let me come near it, right? So you just notice what came up for you? What positive things did you enjoy? Yeah. And then, of course, look for inspiration wherever you personally find it because inspiration nourishes your mind, it engages it in more peaceful and hopeful thoughts. There's so much inspiration all around us if we look for it. Yeah. One way I like to look at this is as emotional nutrition. When we're running a negativity bias, we're emotionally malnourished. We, we've got the, the junk thoughts, the, the unhealthy thoughts, the negative thoughts running. They're running the show and we're not getting the good emotional nutrition. So when we start noticing wonderful things around us, it brings us such joy and, and wonder. There's a botanical gardens I like to visit with my daughter. We go quite a lot. We know it really well, but we're always curious when we go there. It's such a wonderful place. Every time you go, there's something new to see. Something new is coming into bloom. There's some new display. They have this beautiful little wooden alpine greenhouse. And my daughter will sometimes spend half an hour to an hour in there um, because there's so many fantastic little specimens. And she's an artist, so she goes in with a camera and a sketchbook and whatever nourishment is to be had in that place she's going to find it she's going to really take it all in and something i've noticed over the years is occasionally i'll walk past somebody and they've brought their negativity bias with them into the garden and it's like a lens they're not seeing the flowers they're not seeing the beautiful little tree creeper that we've just seen go up a tree they're not Stopping to smell the roses. I'll stop and smell all the roses <laughs> because it makes me feel peaceful. Right. And happy. And it's beautiful. It's, yeah. It's just for me, that's something I love to do. But I've seen people walk around and they've got like a list of complaints or something they've brought with them into the garden. And we can do that. We don't even know we're doing it. We can go to a beautiful place and bring our negativity bias with us. And then it's like a lens that we're looking through and we're seeing everything through that bias. But when we open to curiosity, then we're so much more available to healing from nature. Just yesterday, I was walking in the woods. There's a little woods by my house. So I was walking through the woods and I could hear this tweeting getting louder and louder. And then I noticed it was quite low down, kind of at ear level. So I stopped by this tree and I saw a little slip, little hole in the trunk of this tree. And so I just stood and waited. And then I saw tiny birds about to fledge in this hollowed out tree. And if I'd have just been marching through the woods with my rubbish internal dialogue, <laughs> which was there when I stepped out my front door, I went to walk to clear my head. And as soon as I got in the woods, I slowed down, took some deep breaths, started noticing, and I saw these beautiful little blue tits about to fly from their, from their nest. And then I met um, a neighbor walking his dog, and we stood and had a chat, and that was really nice. Then I saw some parrots in a tree because I slowed down. But I could have marched through there with the negative record playing in my head, it could have played through the whole place. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it takes us a while to settle. It's not always that easy, but if we can 
be open to curiosity. We're going to see things that are going to lift our spirits and bring us some, some joy. And that's the, the medicine of nature that's all around us. Yeah, it is. It is. And the thing is, is, is taking that walk and doing what you were doing to clear your head changed your entire experience of your day because the first half of your day was a challenge. Yeah. And then the second half was filled with curiosity and wonder and gratitude. So even though it started off a little, a little sketchy, you were able to do what you did and see what you saw and, and have that joy spotting experience. That's awesome. Yeah, because we're all going to have days where stuff comes at us. We might get triggered. We might feel unwell. Stuff's going to come up. There's always the potential for that to happen. But if we try and go through our day thinking, how can I end this day in a better place? How can I get into bed tonight where I've really taken care of myself and I've got some gratitudes to to note as I settle down? We've got the chance to try and reset ourselves and and be in better mental shape. Sometimes it takes a lot to settle the mind. Sometimes it's going to take some tapping and rescue remedy and a walk and a talk. It might take a few things. And a podcast. (laughs) And a podcast. Listening to a good lecture. That's real medicine for me is listening to a, a good lecture. And if my mind's in a difficult place, if I take notes to make sure I'm being really present with it, and I'm really hearing it, within 15 minutes, my mind will start to settle. Mm-hmm. And then there will be the days when I forget that my mind will settle in 15 minutes. So I keep a journal to remind myself. When I've done something that works, I write it down and then I can flip through and, okay. And sometimes we have to drag our mind kicking and screaming to do the good thing. And it's going to make it really difficult. But if we just try, try and do it and keep going and be aware of the things that help you and be aware that sometimes we need our whole arsenal. We need all our tools, one after the other, to get in a better place. But the more we do it, the more we benefit and the more hope we feel that we can help ourselves and the more trust we have in our tools. Hmm. So just keep going. Well said. Well said. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. If you love our podcast, consider becoming a patron and get over 150 guided relaxations, tapping sessions, and Ayurvedic teachings for anxiety relief at patreon.com slash anxiety slayer. And be sure to listen in next week when I'll be interviewing Dr. Dane here, co-founder of Access Consciousness. This will be our fourth conversation together over the last four years. And we talk about presumptive realities, and it really ties into what Ananga and I talked to today about how you can retrain the negative bias of your mind. Again, thanks for listening.